Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 216. And this is a little bonus episode for you. It's nice, isn't it? Um, I'm going to keep the intro brief because the episode is a full 90 minutes and you've already had an episode this week, so don't be greedy. Um, this week's guest is Stuart Whiffin, who you've heard loads of, but never as an individual guest and never really getting into him and his life. On the Drunk Cast, we talk about stuff that's been going on recently. So I wanted to do one. I've been planning for ages to do an individual one with Stu and an individual one with Chris to actually just have an individual episode about them. Um, and with Stu launching the Off The Beat and Track podcast, which comes out every Friday, um, I figured it was the perfect time to do it. So we get into that. This week's podcast, as ever, is brought to you by SpeechDevelopmentRecords.com. I've got loads of merch there. Oh, I might have launched a pre-order on a new bit of merch. As this goes out, I think it will have been yesterday. So um, it's the most, probably in poor taste, bit of merch I've ever done. So go and give that a look. Um, I won't say too much in case I've had to push the pre-order back. But um, yeah, it's pretty special. I did a pretty exciting photo shoot for it. And um, yeah. Oh, before I get into this podcast, I should mention that Brett Goldstein's podcast is out now. Films to be buried with. Um, the first episode was with James Acaster. It's absolutely amazing. His lineup is James Acaster, um, Catherine Ryan, Ashlyn B, Nish Kumar, me. Um, it's just, it's cracking. He's smashing it out of the park. So, yeah, that's out now. So go and listen to that. Um, you've got a lot to listen to now because you've got Hardcore Listen on Mondays. You've got Tuesday Night Draw on Tuesdays. You've got Distraction Pieces Podcast on Wednesdays. You've got move, Films to be Buried with on Thursdays. You've got Off the Beat and Track on Fridays. And then w- once a month is Stop and Search with Jason Reed. And at some point, we're going to do more Say Why to Drugs. So there's a lot for you to listen to. Oh, with the podcast. This is episode 216 of the Distraction Pieces Podcast with Stuart Whiffin. I've started recording. I've not started my backup recording, so that's a good start to the podcast. Yeah, isn't it? I do like a backup, backup one there. Yeah, I like them because I had one that didn't record. Yeah, I have my backup as a as a as a, a panning. But I'm joined by Stuart Whiffin. How are you, sir? I'm all right, thank you, Pip. This is only the second podcast uh, we've ever done completely sober. Yeah, the first being your new podcast off off the beaten track. Correct. Um, how you doing? I'm doing really well. It's uh, I'm I'm not that hungover. I'm just a bit a bit. Um, I reckon I'm a bit emotional. No, like when you've you've had a whole day's drinking in the sun. Yeah, which I yeah. done yesterday. Uh, I've just got that little thing where I just feel a fragile. Bit, exactly that fragile. That's how I feel. It's good because uh, obviously we're going to talk about a, a load of things, but we're going to talk about off the beat and track, okay. which is essentially taking your guests on a a musical trip down memory lane yeah and that's essentially what you did yourself yesterday yeah i I really did (laughs) i really did (laughs) watched all the bands i grew up with with uh, all the friends uh from from uh, back in the day that i grew up with as well so it was very nice i saw some pictures and again ride are going to be the you know early 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 90s yeah yeah. and you saw interpol which is kind of late 90s 2000s 2000s and the cure which is 40, 80s 40 years. Yeah. Mm. 
as I that's genuinely a real scale of your... Yeah, oh, it was and great. And as, as people who've come to the club night will know, you stop listening to music after about Interpol. So, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, no, so that is the entire span of your musical life. It was really nice. It was really nice. It was just lots of people. I didn't feel old, which was cracking, because yeah. normally anything like that we ever do... Yeah. I'm always the oldest one there, yeah. so I felt quite but nice. The cure to, uh, in the park, yeah. Yeah, there was. I mean, it wasn't weather made for goths yesterday. No, was there a like, lot of, of, of melting old men? Yeah, yeah, there really was. And also, I'd imagine a lot of people who haven't, you know, who were goths, yeah, and now they work in a bank or something, but they're goth for the weekend because yeah. they're doing their forty year. Yeah, <laughs> I reckon they spent about like an hour before they left trying to force their nose ring back in their <laughs> ring that they haven't had in for about three years. <laughs> I love it. Well, I mean, we'll touch briefly on off the beaten track now, and then we'll talk about it more at the end. Because okay. I remember when we did the first drunk cast after Hardcore Listing, I had someone message me going, I already listened to Hardcore Listing, and you just spent the first hour of the drunk cast talking about all the episodes sure. you already listened to. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair enough. Let's, <laughs> let's assume they're listening. But it's gone off to a fucking good start, hasn't it? So this will come out on Friday. So okay. on the day of your second episode. Which is Block Pie, Russell Lissack. Uh, Russell, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and episode one was me, but yeah. it's gone blind, isn't it? It's topped the iTunes charts. and Yeah, I, I, I just did not see that coming. No. Um, obviously, been doing our listing for just, just over a year now, yeah. and um, we've managed to sort of get ahead of ourselves with recording, so we've... I think we've banked about another two months worth. So, yeah. you know, we can come off the gas because we was just literally sort of heading to London so many times, like, you know, in the week just yeah, to get there and, and do double headers. And, and so we've got them all in the bank. And so it was like, right, okay, so I've got a bit of free time now. And, and I, you know, I don't think Chris would disagree with this, but, you know, the the, the reason that Hardcore Listing works, I think, for, for Chris and I, is the fact that when people want to go nerdy on, comic books um sci-fi and things yep. like that chris is in his element yeah um, and i'm out my depth yeah and when we get musicians and 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 bands and stuff like that on again you know chris knows his tunes yeah. but i'm a bit of an anorak for yeah, it so yeah. I, I i really thrive on them ones as well and and i just really wanted to do a little series of just living in essex i think because we're so close to london I feel that um, we don't get a lot of attention because, you know, anybody that's creative and, and, and really wanting to pursue a career in music, acting, arts, yeah. whatever, if you live in Essex, it's quite easy to move 15 minutes up the road into London. Exactly. Um, unless you're you. Yeah. And, uh, oh, that's it. I was, I was talking to my mate recently because Will Ospreay, the wrestler yeah. who's now sorry I, know, said, I said yeah like i yeah, know what you're talking he's, about he's, he's massive he's, he's he's one of the biggest names in, I new, have heard the in, name. in new japan so he wrestles in front of 40 to sixty thousand people all the time huge in all the uk ones he's doing all the new a world of sport things okay and he's just moved he's made his big move from Raynham to chafford <laughs> and again i love that like, <laughs> i've got a message of, of Stu tell saying he's the wrestling version of you just as everyone expects him to move into London <laughs> and be Mr. Big Shot, he moves just deeper into Essex. But yeah, yeah, I should point out that... It's um, true. <laughs> w- watching your success, um, you move from your mum's about 100 metres up the road yep. um, 
and then moved about another 50 metres to 100 metres up the road. Up the same road, yeah. yeah. So I'm gradually <laughs> moving along. You'll get to London in about 2070, I reckon. I was going to say, it's going to be at least 10 years, and I'll be making it just up to about Tilbury. <laughs> yeah, but my, my, <laughs> view on that, this rate. my view on that is because of the gentrification of London, and it's pushing further and further and further out, I reckon by the time you get to Tilbury, Lunch Tilbury's going to be having it. London will come to me before I come to London. That's how slow I move. But but that that's what it was predominantly was just the fact that I thought well look you know living in Essex and and obviously as as do you I know so many people from working in music and that for for the last sort of twenty thirty years and clubs and whatever and and I just thought you know what let's let's sort of chat about it a little bit because yeah. there seems to be a lot of attention on Essex for the likes of Towie and, yeah. and things like that, which, you know, he's, he's mainstream media and, and it's, it's it's out there. But I just think, well, if I can shout a little bit about the, the cool shit that's going on around yeah. here and, and people's journeys and that, living here has affected that yeah, and, you know, shaped it or whatever, then then we'll have a chat about that and pick some songs. And, and, and what's interesting with that is gr- growing up in this kind of area, if you've made a success of it, it's going to be because you're super passionate about it because it's not an easy or or yeah. automatic route even from the club nights point of view it's like yeah. the reason i mean we'll talk about it later I'm, sh- I'm sure but the fat surfer is one of the local kind of club nights that it went up and then it dropped off or whatever but the reason the people who went there are so passionate about it is because it was the only place sure. that was for alternative people yeah. in, in their local area because again it is it's it's i mean let's let uh, let's look at Tharrock. i I've explained before that the reason I started the Drunk Cast, and I carefully selected a you and Chris, because you're my mates and we're going to get drunk and silly, but I also know that you're good blokes as well. Mm. And you, you'll know that growing up in this area, that isn't a given, sadly. There's a lot of guys I went to school with or I don't talk to anymore because, you know, they're a bit racist, yeah. they're a bit homophobic. Yeah. Thurrock has always been a big... BMP and UKIP mm-hmm. kind of area. So, how was that growing up for you as kind of an alternative kid in an area that's not kind of that initially a welcoming of of, of alternative ideas or alternative roots? Well, I, I wasn't really an alternative kid. I think throughout sort of secondary school, like when I started secondary school, hip hop just exploded yeah. and. You know, so I, I started secondary school in... Do you want to put a comedy date in here? Like, <laughs> no, no, uh, no, you go. I'm ahead. 45. It's going to so. be funny enough anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, Breakdance the movie had just come out yeah. and Beat Street and yeah. Subway Art was being passed around school. And, yeah. um, and, 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 and hip-hop was the new music. And we had nowhere to hear it, really, unless you tune in a pirate radio. Yeah. Um, or very rarely you might see Lisa Lisa Colt Jam or someone like that on on top of the pops. Yeah, you know, it, and so that was my first sort of you know anything that was slightly more left field. But I guess at the time, the stuff that we was hearing was pretty much just the, like the poppy stuff, you know. And, yeah, and I think I guess so. Going, a particular time where it, it was harder to get get music anyway. You yeah, got what yeah. was available, so yeah, it, you, it's not like you could dig that much. Was, are we mates with Ross at that point? Who I'm sure yeah, he's going yeah. to be a guest on Off the Beat and Trade. He's one yeah. of the ones you've um, called him. But he and, was, you know, a DMC 
scratch champ and all yeah. that but that would have started around then right like, uh, maybe a little after that digging for, like, for records i think when we started secondary school you know he when that scene happened yeah as soon as it sort of disappeared a little bit yeah he stayed with it yeah and yeah. just dug deeper um, yeah i get you whereas there was the, the music that was then that, that sort of interested me just because it was the mainstream and all my mates were listening to it and was stuff like I guess it was Luther Vandross, Alexander O'Neill, Amazing. Bobby Brand. That whole yeah. that whole swing beat sound, the Teddy Riley sound, was yeah. was everywhere. Yeah, and Della, and then I suppose moving towards the end of that was like De La Soul come out. But I think yeah. also in and around then, I was always obsessed with eighties pop music. It was always even in like hip hop or, or whatever. I wanted a pop sensibility in in the stuff that I listened to. Yeah. I always wanted the hook line. I wanted the big chorus, and and I think by the time it got to Maybe eighty seven, eighty eight. I, I just kind of really discovered like what I describe as maybe smart pop. I don't know, yeah. like Pet Shop Boys, Erasure, Depeche Mode, and like yeah, and I, I kind of really got lost in that and the it's, labels and that, that, that like Mute Records and things like that. I just that was a big introduction to something a bit darker for me. Yeah, and it's weird, isn't it? Because it's before pop became a dirty word. Yeah, because it was kind of in the nineties. Late 90s, that there started to be the backlash of, oh, it's all shit. It's all, yeah. it was after your dad, your Kylie's, yeah. and that kind of thing. The first wave of yeah, Kylie, not yeah. even her return, that it was like, oh, it's all commercial and all that. Yeah. At that point, it wasn't like it was, although pop has always been the mainstream, it wasn't like it was that frowned upon. I don't yeah. think Pet Shop Boys and Depeche Mode and people like that, yeah. even if you were an indie kid, yeah. you were particularly looking down your nose at that. It no, was just another genre. Yeah, yeah. So I, it was an interesting one. And and I think by the time I was, I'd, I'd sort of got to the end of secondary school and, and, and started college, literally 1989, and yeah. I, I literally, and it sounds stupid because I was obsessed by then with, with Depeche Mode. I'd really gone down a, uh, a, a hole with them. Well, it's with, worth mentioning that it's a big deal because they were from up the road from us. Yeah. They yeah. were from Basildon. So yeah. that was, that's, 10, 15 minutes drive. If so that. literally yeah. that, that close. Yeah, yeah, if that. So that's that's going to be a massive thing, particularly at that age, of yeah. going, all oh, right, one of the biggest bands in the world yeah. is from the place yeah. I go with my mum and dad when we need to do our shopping. Absolutely. You know, because it was pre-Lakeside, so it was only Basildon. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it sounds silly that I can pinpoint anything that can be a bit of a jolt, and it's such a cliche as well, but I, it, it, it really was, mate, and... I was watched watched Top of the Pops, and it was an episode that had Stone Roses, The Happy yeah. Mondays, wow. and I think it was in Spirals on it. And I remember just thinking, "This looks weird," yeah. and like, and and Fool's Gold. I just thought this sounds weird. It sounds like all the things I love from swing beat and hip hop, yeah, but it's just got a weirdness to it. Ian Brian looked cool, but weird, and. And I just thought this is, and then the chart show used to be on every Saturday. It was like a TV show to anyone that that isn't as old as me. <laughs> and each week they would rotate the specialist chart. So yeah. the, it was all about the pop charts. But then yep. each week you'd either have a metal chart or like the rock chart, the indie chart, or the R and B chart, something like that. And sort of every third week you get the indie chart. And and I remember just seeing the video to. Um, Rope for Luck by the Happy Mondays on that. And and I'm not a big Happy Mondays fan yeah. at all. But the indie chart just... I remember just seeing loads of these kind of lo-fi looking videos. 
and hearing stuff that just sounded different to yeah. anything else I've been exposed to. Completely. And I just thought, I'm into this. And it's, it's mental how limited music was at that point because yeah. the top one, two, three of the indie chart you might you probably heard of, yeah. But literally ten because the indie chart they normally do it as a shorter one, right? Yeah. So it'd only be the top ten top or 10, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Literally ten to six or or, or ten to five yeah. or four, yeah. would be completely new to you. Yeah. And it's like even if you're into indie, it's like yeah. the only ones you've heard because they're yeah. the only ones that are getting on radio. Or if you've got a a, a local record store, yeah. they're only getting a couple, yeah, you know, a I few mean, different records in. And it, and it was as you say that the ten to to number four you probably didn't know so that was your introduction so yeah. it was like oh that that looks Who's interesting that? Yeah. like and you know and you, only getting a snippet no and you'd only get a, you'd snippet, get a snippet yeah. and then they'd play more of every like third or fourth song yeah. so you'd get yeah. 10 9 and then a bit longer on eight That's and then it. seven six. and yeah. and then um yeah I, I remember going to there was a little record store on a on a market like a sunday market in graves and i remember walking down and buying the 12 of um a fool's gold and just coming home and just rinsing it. And, and I'm no, I know so many people that just, you know, Stone Roses changed my life and mm. I, I, I'm not a massive Stone Roses fan. I, yeah, that first yeah. album I like a lot, but it was just an introduction to me, which yeah. by the time I got to college, Acid House was happening as well as the, the sort of met the Manchester thing yeah. and, and hip hop Della Soul had dropped then. And, yeah. and so there was just, it was all really beat based yeah, yeah. and, and it was all, crossing over which was just exciting you know everyone had flares and and it was that kind of second summer of love style thing and yeah. it was it was just really exciting and and the students just looked i guess what i presume students would have looked like when i got there they all yeah. looked arty and that yeah, appealed to yeah, me yeah like and so i just thought right this, this is this is it like i, I want I want to. I want to be an indie kid. Yeah. Oh, I want some of this. And um, because it's a thing, though, isn't it? It's in your formative years, and particularly because you went to Palmer's, right? Did you go to Palmer's? Uh, yeah, I college? went to Palmer's, and then I went across the road to the the, the technical college yeah. there. Because again, it is when you're going to them places, as stupid as it sounds, it's the first place that you're not in a school uniform, that yeah. you're not told what to wear. Yeah. So that is the point that you go. I want to be one of them, yeah. or I want to be one of them. Absolutely. You're not thinking about who you are as a yeah. person. You're going, I want to be yeah. that person. So it is, it's a mad one that it holds off for that long because of school, something as stupid as school uniforms. Because yeah. at, at that point, at the weekends, all you're going out and doing is playing. You're messing yeah. about your mates. It's yeah. not, you, you, a lot of people at that age won't have had a distinctive style yet. Totally. And then they get to college and go, oh, look at the grown ups. And yeah. again, a lot of them will have been driven dressing like that for a year yeah. and that's it yet there that's that's a goth yeah and that's absolutely. an indie kid and that's a, that's a rap kid yeah and uh <laughs> and i think that was i mean when I, by the time i got to technical college i mean i, I studied mechanics right i can't yeah. change it i could not change a hubcap yeah. i wouldn't yeah, yeah. know anything but my dad was like get a trade son and i was like oh no because I'd, I'd bought decks by then yeah. and i was like I want to start playing this music out. I need, I need to. This is like a film when it get a trade. So no, I just want to play with my records, <laughs> sitting all with your headphones on, with with greasy hands. I just want to dance the ballet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I uh, and and so at, at that point, it was like right. I'm going to. I was doing my mechanics, but I was with lots of geezers. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, they were cracking, and we had some really good times in that class, but. As soon as it was like any kind of break or lunch break, 
I was going and hanging out with the fashion students yeah. and the art yeah, students yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. they were the girls that I wanted to be hanging out with yeah. and I wanted to get to know. And and they, the art school, the arty ones and, and the, the, the fashion students were the ones that I could talk about music to. Yeah, yeah. And uh, because the lads that I was studying with in the lunch breaks, they were going to smoke fags outside their souped-up cars, talking about their souped-up cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a Ford Escort estate with Cat in the App painted on the bonnet. Brilliant. I did not fit in with that gang. <laughs> that was not your crowd. <laughs> no. So, so how did you find it, kind of getting in with the the art school kids and, and, and the music kids and all that? Was that – was it already a, a lot of people you knew kind of thing? Or uh, did few, you feel like you few. were kind of can – I, can I sit with you? No, I, no. I don't want to sit with them. Because <laughs> um, at that point we'd 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 put a band together, right? And there's a there's a one man sort of comedy act called Cunt and the Gang, yeah. And um, and he's he's long been my sort of best friend. I won't say his real name. And um, but but growing up, we we, we started writing these sort of little comedy songs together. Yeah. When we was like, we've got recordings before either of our voices are broken. Yeah. Like from when we was like sort of ten or eleven. And we'd find like B sides of records that were instrumentals and and and, and sing songs over them, like generally sort of comedy songs. And that um, sort of grew a little bit to, well, should we start a band? And so there was a couple of kids in the art rooms and that that could play guitars and drums. So yeah. it was like, right, let's let's see if they want to do this. And so we we, we put this band together, that of, of, and it was a sort of meant to be a comedy band, kind of a bit punk esque, I suppose, at the time. Um, called ourselves Serious Problem. And uh, and we said, right, we're going to put a gig on in the in the common room at college, and uh, and I think I had sort of gold lame trousers on, and, and oh, I don't know, I, I would have looked ridiculous, yeah. but that was the idea. And no bands had ever played at college before, and so yeah. to do a, a a gig in the lunch break, that that area was like there must have been like sort of three hundred people had come in because yeah. they heard that this band was on, yeah. Looking back, it must have been a horrendous sound because right. we were just playing through amps, and I think we plugged like the mic into a tiny little amp, so it must have been abysmal. It's a mad and, thing, though, at that kind of time when you just you just want to see a live band. It's just exciting, yeah, to see a live band. And as you get older, you become nuanced yeah. and appreciative of good yeah. sound. A good, there, it's oh, it's live. But and 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 that gig for us. We'd, we'd just play Shea Stadium, yeah, like yeah. you know, we'd cracked it, we'd made it. We were, you know, in my mind's like, this is a legit career move, you know. Like, I'm not going to be a mechanic now, you know. Yeah. Quick fit can poke it, like you know. We, we played the common room. <laughs> we played the common room at college, but first band ever. But but it just it last did, band ever. <laughs> it did feel amazing, and and it kind of throughout school was I was always an in betweener, you know. I weren't a cool kid, and. uh you know, I wasn't particularly quiet at school, but I would never have gone on stage and done anything. Yeah. And I'd kind of found the thing that I liked, so I was like, I'm going to go on stage and do that. Yeah. And and what's what's quite weird was that then it got me in with, a, with a, the fashion crowd and, and yeah. the, the art school kids and got me to meet the girls from the from the art thing. But ironically, years, years later, uh, my friend's sister posted a photograph of that gig. Yeah. And you can see the whole crowd. And there's loads of kids in your every textbook indie t-shirt, band yeah, t-shirt yeah, of that yeah. that thing, and lots of dreadlocks, lots of big shorts and stuff like that. And they're all looking like they're 
laughing and enjoying it. And there's one girl standing there with a straight face with her arms folded. And it's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I didn't know her and she didn't know me. And uh, and it's brilliant. The, the one person that's just looking just at me as if to like, what a knob. Yeah, and, uh, that's and- where I wanted to, to sit and eat my lunch. <laughs> I came in here to do my, my maths homework. <laughs> Shut these idiots up. Yeah. So how was that like, when you started the band life because that again you did kind of you 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 blew up locally initially yeah. and it continued to grow i remember i first it must have been when i first encountered you was going and seeing a serious problem and yeah. again at that point it's not like you had myspace pages with tons no. of songs on or anything like that there might be a cd made or yeah. a tape made somewhere but other than that there's, there's not a lot about but i remember going it's the power of of the impression that's made, isn't it? I yeah. guess because I remember going to see Serious Problem and thinking, "Oh, this is a big, this is a big gig." Yeah, I'd, I'd never heard you. Yeah, I'd never heard you, but I'd heard that the day with the band yeah. that were the yeah. uh, the local thing, and then, that yeah. must have been a disappointment. <laughs> or it's funny as well. I was going to say because I think it it must be a thing of for building your confidence. I think the first thing that people often go to is writing silly stuff and offensive stuff because yeah, I remember I found like. Old, old old lyric books that's all yeah. just re- like from when I was a teen that's just rewriting the lyrics to yeah. particular songs and making them offensive and yeah. silly and you guys kind of went Let, let's do that then we and it, it, it instantly, instantly made it relatable because everyone's like oh that's funny that's a- yeah and we would walk on stage and go right look bear with us because we are shit yeah so we'd preempt any act <laughs> yeah, like yeah. We'd, we'd get it in first that yeah. we were shit yeah but um to be honest, I'd kind of thought oh, I really I fancy this, yeah. And and I'd, I'd, I'd there was no there was only one indie club in the area, which was the Pink Toothbrush, yeah. and I'd, I'd started going there, and and that was a revelation to me. There yeah. there was somewhere up the road um, that played all of this music and all the music that I'd only heard the snippets of on the chart show, yeah. you know. And I could go to the DJ and I could go, "What is this?" I you know. And you can't underestimate the importance and power of that. Again, at, at a time that point before time, accessing music and at a time when, even if you've got access, if you're poor, yeah. you don't own them yeah. Them records. It's not like now. Like I, I always kind of get a bit annoyed at our club night if people yeah. are over-requesty because yeah. it's kind of like, just go home and listen to music. Yeah. Then. If, if, if you've got a specific yeah. 30 songs you want to hear, you yeah. shouldn't have come out. Oh, That's you would have hated me. You yeah, hate me because I was literally the one tapping the DJ on the shoulder. Just I going, was as well. I was this? as well in my What's time at, at the brush, asking and requesting constantly, and yeah. always wanting the same songs. Was she one of them knobs that like I'd come up and ask for a song, something slightly obscure, but then five minutes later, amazingly, another person comes up and asks for that song. Yeah, would sometimes where you just get all your mates to, to do of, it to, and you just to think, make those requests. DJs ain't that stupid. I mean, that that kind of works the other way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> puts them off more and more. But it was important. It was important having clubs. I like that because again, equally, I'd kind of I'd mentioned earlier how you might not find your style until you're at college. Yeah. It's because as well, it's not an area that's got tons of nights out and entertainment things. So it's not like you've been at school but you're going out to all these different things at the weekend yeah. it is there's there's a limit there so then you're going to college and all of a sudden you're also starting to go to yeah. the alternative club so I've all got, at once you've got all this identity kind of totally and b- b- bubbling up and i'm quite a sort of, sort of 
once I find something I like, I I, I want to be involved in it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and and I I couldn't get a, a job at the toothbrush. You yeah. know, I, I I didn't want to work the bar. I didn't want to be any. I just wanted a DJ. I yeah. wanted to play records there, and and it was never going to happen. And so I just thought, right, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this band, and I'm going to see where that goes, but. There isn't that many places to play around here. Yeah. I mean, we was playing in London little bits. So I, I, I just found a venue in Basel and I was like, can I set up my own club night? And, right. and so I thought, yeah. well, if I can't find one, I'll do my own. And and with things like that, I've always been quite driven Yeah, yeah. Like, to just think, if I'm going to do this band, I'm going to do it as best as I can do it. And if it don't happen, yeah. then I can just switch off and go, right, well, look, I had a go. I, I couldn't have tried any better yeah, than that. yeah, yeah. And it didn't work. So, cool, on to the next thing. And so um, I set this little club night up and, and it become like something really good because, as you say, you didn't have anything, yeah. you know. And, and if you, you lived in Basildon or, or, or Stamford, you know, and places like that, you couldn't always afford to get home from the pink toothbrush, you know, because yeah. it's in the middle of nowhere. Completely. And so I put this little night together in it and it grew and grew and grew. And, and, and Was that the bullseye? That was the Round Acre. Oh, the Round Acre, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and from that point, it started to sort of not affect the pink toothbrush, but it must have made enough of a dent that they phoned me up and said, oh, will you come and, do you want yeah. to come and DJ here? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah. That's all I've ever wanted. Like, yeah, but obviously <laughs> I played it down. And, uh, but, and yeah, and that was, Christ, 27 years ago. And, uh, and I was still there last Friday. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, still playing the same songs. Still playing. Um, Give it away by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> um, how was that to kind of to put on your own night and to find that there was a lot of people who who were waiting for, for that as well? Because it was from my memory. Again, I'm a few years younger than you, so it's always yeah. I'm aware of all of these things, but I probably came to them sure. in the later yeah, end of yeah. them. Um, there, but again, was, I remember there was excitement because it's like, oh, and again, it's that weird thing of you're just excited that there's going to be live bands yeah. and alternative music. And yeah. again, as you've touched on, alternative girls. And there's, and there's, there's no what? place to meet people in, and, and, in these kind of things. And the thing was, right, as, as me and you have spoke about before, right, we were both quite late getting into yeah. relationships with girls yeah, and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I just felt like I needed a, an angle to, yeah. to, to approach someone. You know, to to be able to say something as a as an introduction piece, I've never been that person that could go, "Hi, I can buy you a drink." Yeah. Couldn't do that, and so it for me it was easier if someone was coming up and asking for a record, or oh, I saw your band the other night, and yeah. then for me, I then had, I could have a chat, and so it was, yeah, and I, it was it was an angle for me to to be able to talk to girls, yeah, because I could never just walk up to them and talk to them because yeah. I was scared, yeah. Um, and, and so, but that's again. It's, it shouldn't underplay how powerful a thing that is, particularly at that point. If you are late to it all, yeah, and you feel everyone else has got their yeah. girlfriends, and you want to meet a girl. I remember again, like I have a lot of people say, oh, "I remember, oh, you used to always come down the fat surfer." I didn't. Mm-hmm. I went there when I fancied Haley and when I fancied Jen. Mm. I can remember specifically. It's the only reason I went, and I yeah. didn't go when those relationships. I hadn't worked or whatever else. Yeah. And with the Round Acre. 
Joe and Anna were the two. Yeah. Again, I I went then. Other yeah. than that, I was like, if I didn't fancy him, he was like, oh, I'm, I'm not a mad night out kind of yeah. guy particularly. And he was like, and, and, I went specifically because he's like, I want to meet that girl and I know they're going to be there. It's so weird you say that because I don't like clubbing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not into it. Yeah. If I went to a nightclub and I'm not DJing or I'm not promoting it or whatever, mm. I don't know what to do. I'm the same. But I, but again, to be clear, I love our club night. Yeah. And I used to love the brush. Yeah. In the days. I see, it is that thing of now. Now we're not going to clubs to yeah. look for girls. Yeah, I yeah, it doesn't appeal. Yeah, in any way. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm yeah, I'm not very good, and I shouldn't be any good. I'm 45. Yeah. I shouldn't be loitering around in nightclubs. Yeah, that's weird. All right, let's go. <laughs> yeah. I remember was it you that said when we did the drunk cast in Ireland and Blind Boy from the Rubber Bandits had taken us to some late night pub yeah that was above a club that's right and you took a wrong turn looking for the toilets and walked into the club and you were like i felt like the biggest creep ever <laughs> they're all like 16 they they looked so young <laughs> and they all looked at me and i just thought oh they're looking at me like i'm like one of their dad's mates that's lost yeah and i yeah. just thought i literally just turned around and i was like i'm gonna just go back upstairs <laughs> yeah not cool it's not working out um so how did the band stuff kind of go because you grew and grew and you got coverage in on on radio on in in magazines we we done um we 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 started to kind of take it a bit more seriously and and we got some good musicians in and so at this point um dj destruction our friend ross had had won the dmc stuff and so he he said like and and i don't know why because he was making incredible hip-hop music but he agreed to join the band as a as someone that do record scratching yeah. which also gave us a really good angle as well because at that point there wasn't many sort of indie punk bands that had an, a, a world-class yeah. scratch dj yeah, in it yeah completely um our guitarist at the time had, had, had been offered the gig for the prodigy yeah. because the prodigy had moved from charlie says and, and voodoo people which yeah. are you know wanting to have guitarists and, and and live drums and stuff and so and then um we had we got picked up by manager that was yeah. uh, Ricky Gervais not yeah. that but but no one knew who Rick yeah. was then so, um, so was he at XFM at that point no no he was, was um he was an int manager or a promoter at um oh, right. at Yulu yeah. in London and yeah, uh, yeah. and he just saw us one night and thought we was quite funny and uh and just said like can I help you out like as a manager and was like yeah cool and uh and so Rick got us some like really good gigs and yeah. and and some really good press. Like he got us in like there was like um a lot of, a lot of sort of lads mags and things like that. And he, he got us some really good features and, yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah. like that, which was great, you know. And and for us, like any tiny little thing like that, when you bring it back to Essex, yeah, it feels massive, it's a huge deal, yeah, because it, it's like. We're in like a magazine, or we're yeah. in like a newspaper, and yeah. and, and and I don't know. I don't know if it's just that I had my ego is out of control. I was just a massive shelf. I was like, I couldn't wait to go home and like show my mum, yeah, yeah, and like and Completely. and and you know and and go look look, look at this, like or, you know. Or my mum's got a, a box at home of the yeah. first year or two of magazine features and newspaper yeah. features, things like that. And most of those I bought and gave to her. Yeah. <laughs> so like she was she was hunting them down. I was like, I've got another one, my really? Yeah, 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 nice so one. Like, I just want to have a collection Straight in the box. It was weird. <laughs> but yeah. Can I keep my ego around yours, mum? <laughs> yeah, it's all right, in a little box. 
But again, it is weird because it is a massive deal. And again, more so at that point because if someone's printed it, it means yeah. something. Even if it's a magazine or paper you've yeah. never heard of, they've printed it. That means yeah. the world. I remember the first time a band I was in, in fact, I think it ruined one of your nights Brilliant, or um, a band that you were in or something or the twins were in because right. you were – what was the band after a serious so, problem? So yeah. We'll come back to the yeah. journey. Oh, okay. but who, yeah. who, who was your other one? Yeah. Uh, Lilo. A Lilo, and they had a band after that. No, before that. Oh, what was it called? Ched. Ched. It was something like that. And I'd, I'd started a band with Tom Coles, right. who had never been round to practicing the band or do anything. Brilliant. M- my mate Rick, um, Andy Bond was in it at one point, right. um, and we were called Lardass. Right. And I'd got, I was really into the Pistols, right. so I'd really gone the Malcolm McLaren route of promo. Right. So I'd got us booked. So you, by the way, you just think you're being punk rock. In fact, were you just shit? We were just shit, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. M- me and Rick had met up and practiced and played um, Scooby Snacks by the Fun <laughs> Criminals. Um, I think a Weezer song or two, right? Um, and things like that. But Andy had never come round. T- Tom had never come round. It was this kind of yeah. r- rotating lineup. Was Andy? Andy was like a legit musician, though. Yeah, right? he was he a good guitarist. Guitar, and that. He, he was in Big Red. That's right. The, the, the day that I saw a Serious Problem for the first time, he played at. Oh, at the Civic the Festival Hall. At, yeah. at the Civic Hall. So, yeah. um, see, I'd booked us a gig in Southend and we, we'd never turned up because we weren't a band. And then I'd booked... Oh, I mean, that's punk rock in itself, yeah, right? exactly. That's what I thought. I was, I'd gone on the Malcolm McCrown School of It's All About the Marketing, so yeah. build the hype. How many and people gave a shit about that? No one. Um, or me, I kept <laughs> Just copy. the um, There was... I, we were at the Rainbow Club at the Billet in, in Stamford. Yeah. And it was some band that was of... of, of from that crowd, right. I can't remember who, but it was some sure. band from that crowd. It was their new band. They were about to be the next big thing. Here's their new one, and they were being supported by Lardass. Right. Um, and we didn't turn up, and we didn't promote it at all. And apparently, just no one turned up, and they right. closed down that that night. The, the week after that, they said it's just not it's not working. There were more people in the band than in the crowd. So punk rock. <laughs> it was so punk rock, wasn't it? <laughs> But yeah, anyway, so you'd got some good, it, it, yeah, it just, it meant something to have, even in the Thurrock Gazette, the fact yeah. that it said, I'll remember it clearly, it said, in the little music bit, it said, the appallingly monikered Lardass. Brilliant. Which I was just like, that stuck with me forever, because they yeah. printed it, they printed that band yeah. name, even though we weren't a thing. But yeah, to get that press and to bring it back, it means the world, and what's even bigger then is if it's in magazines that people have heard of. Yeah. And that they know round here and you started yeah. to get a bit of that kind of yeah yeah love. I mean uh, it, it, you know the, the, the stuff we was doing with Rick that, that band was we had so much fun doing it but there was nine people in that band and I'm not I'm, I'm not I would never speak ill of any of them because they're still like really good friends of mine to this day I was out of some of them yesterday yeah um, but it felt like trying to get nine people in one rehearsal room yeah. once a week and then We've got two gigs, one's in London and one's wherever else this week. Trying to organise that fell on me all the yeah, time because yeah. I was the one that I felt, in hindsight, probably... I, I had, I, you know, I was more driven than them, definitely, yeah. in regards to wanting to move it forwards. This is going to sound really insulting, but you were... <laughs> I'll, I'll explain this, I promise. Right, go on. But probably the most driven and least talented... Absolutely. Just because it, it's mad that it's, it's mad. The, 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 you were saying that the Ewan Cunt went, Oh, we want to start a band. Yeah. 
let's find some people who can do all the the musician Absolutely. part of it and we'll be the front people. Yeah. I, am, like, I am not a talented <laughs> musician at all. Yeah, now, um, and, that was and you were the front men and kind of... And, and I was the singer in the band yeah, and yeah. I can't sing, not for <laughs> shit. Um, and so it, it kind of... it shows the power of, of being driven and having yeah. that drive because yeah. you went, I want to do this, I don't know how to, so let's get other people to do the yeah. the bit I don't know how to do and then we got a band. But what I did know is pop sensibilities. Yeah. So from listening to the Pet Shop Boys and stuff yeah. like that. I knew what, and as a DJ, you need to know what's going to make people move. Yeah. And so I always kind of felt I knew. Have you got a, a similar vocal range to the Pet Shop Boys and Erasure? Or? Mm, <laughs> probably more, <laughs> more, I'm more Mike Reed meets Danny Dyer. <laughs> uh, but, but no, it was, um, but I, I could kind of structure a catchy song, I yeah, thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and and it just got to the point where, in the end, I just everyone was just getting a bit pissed off of each other, and we'd done some really great shows and 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 and, and stuff. And I just thought, I want to do a serious band, yeah, but I can't play any instruments. So yeah. I was like, I'm gonna buy a keyboard and I'm gonna learn how to play it. And yeah. so I bought a keyboard and I could play a few chords on a guitar, and I wrote a couple of songs. And there was a vocalist in in Basildon that I'd heard at a folk night, and he was. Uh, he was a good-looking lad, and he had a, a kind of Eddie Vedder-esque voice, which a lot of right. good singers at that time at that point, yeah, all yeah. would kind of lean towards them kind yeah. of uh, sounds. And it's the same as when all the female singers started to, to, to sound like Alanis Morissette. Of course. It was yeah. that simple thing of, all yeah. right, going a bit... Yeah. <laughs> in a rock and roll way rather than in a Mariah Carey way. Completely. And... And, and and so, I, I, yeah, I just we 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 down serious problem in a in a really nice way. Done like a last gig, and it was great fun. And then, um, and we come this band called Lilo, and and I think because locally the last band had done all right. Yeah. And it, it and at this point, what's key to this is Ricky had then started doing the eleven o'clock show. Right. And then just started at XFM when right. XFM yeah, yeah, was yeah. in Charlotte Street yeah. when it had just got its license. Yeah. And uh and so we recorded a, a, a an EP and, and I took it up to Ricky and he and he played it on the radio and he, he gave a copy to Gary Crowley who was a real tastemaker DJ yeah. and, and and still is a, a great DJ. Um and then and that started to kind of we got record of the week on XFM. Amazing. And and it started to happen quite quickly. It was like I'd kind of hyped it before it had happened. We'd done one gig and we didn't invite anyone. Yeah. And, uh, and, but there was lots of people there for the other bands that kind of, I don't even know how word got out in the paper, yeah. like in the local rags, everyone was talking about, because there was no MySpace, there was no yeah, yeah. means to get it out there. And then we'd done our first proper gig and it was, it was really, really fucking busy. And it yeah. was like, and, and then, I think we'd done two more shows and then we we, we played at um, Coco, which is um, was then called Cannon Palais, uh, a, a club night called Feet First, which yep. was the big, the big alternative first, night. Yeah. And and then afterwards we got took out and, and, and we got offered a record deal. And so it was like, oh, okay. Um, and, and the only thing I'd ever wanted is I didn't want to be Bono and be yeah. the biggest band in the world. I'm, if that would have happened, great. Yeah, so... I just wanted to put an album out, yeah, 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 and I just wanted to get in a van and go around the country with my mates yeah. and do a tour, yeah. and I wanted to get 
one track on the radio and I wanted to be on telly once. Yeah. And that was my kind of, if I can do that, I'm done. I'm happy. And was that nice being in a band that all had a similar drive to do that? No, because they didn't. Oh, they didn't? No. Because it is a weird thing. I I remember when we took, um, I was a big fan of I Shouted Gun. Yeah. And when when we took them on the road, it was a tough thing because Mark, who was the drummer at the time, he wanted to just be in a band of his mates at weekends and have some yeah. fun, which is absolutely fine. And Paul Paul was, was similar, really. Yeah. But Warren w- w- was the you of that band. Yeah. He wanted to be, we're doing this as our job, yeah. we're touring, we're, we're releasing. So it was tough. They had to, to get rid of their drummer because it was going too well. Yeah. Not because it was, it yeah, was falling yeah, yeah. apart. And yeah. it's it's a similar th- yeah. thing, particularly on the serious problem side of it, where you'd all started that to imp- impress girls at college. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're wanting to actually go out and do yeah. it properly. And they're like, oh, I didn't, I was just messing about with my mates. And yeah. now it's a serious thing. Yeah. So, how was that with Lilo then? There, there wasn't that. No. I it, thought it might have been because it was a more serious. No, it, it was, everybody was quite, I think at that, at that point, I was maybe three or four years older than everyone else in the band. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but I was kind of pretty much writing the songs with the singer and, and we was, I don't know. It felt like we was we was doing all right at what we was doing, and, yeah. and the response to it was all really exciting. And so it was like this is this is so much fun. But as much as we had a deal that was going to finance us to go and put an album out, they wasn't. We didn't have an agent, so the booking of everything was me. Right. And and then obviously the, I was one of the only ones in the band that could drive, so we had a minibus. I had to drive to all the gigs, yeah. and and so it felt like. And because I was older, I, I felt the almost like they'd look to me that yeah. I was almost like the dad of the band, yeah, yeah. and uh, and so yeah, that was that that was a little bit trying at times, but I'd put up with that because I wanted to tick yeah. my four boxes, yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 we was lucky we we, we went to um, North London and we recorded an album, and you know I'm I'm not particularly fond of listening to anything on it. You know, it sounds very dated and it's not very yeah. well produced, but. I'm proud that I'd done yeah, that. You put a record and, out. Uh, and yeah, and as simple as that. And and we got on, we got the XFM single of the week, and then we started to get on the radio a little bit more, which was brilliant. And then um, we had a, a Renault traffic van minibus, and we done a, maybe three tours around the country, playing to half empty vent, like half empty small venues, yeah, yeah, sleeping on people's floors and. Um, but that's the stuff I've been reading about in the NME in 1989. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I want to do that. Yeah. And uh, and so, and, and, and that was it. And then we got on this kids TV show on some satellite channel that I've never seen, but yeah. we, we went to L3 Studios <laughs> yeah. and, and went in the TV studio and recorded us performing a single. And it was Amazing. like, right, I'm done. Yeah. I've ticked every box. Uh, it's had no impact as such on the world of music. Yeah, obviously. No one yeah. knows who we are really, but I've done the best I can yeah, do, I've and done it, what I wanted. I've achieved what I wanted to achieve, and, and that was it. And 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 it started to kind of we, where I wasn't a musician, yeah, I was finding it harder because at this point radio had dropped, you know, and and all of a sudden people were getting making really smart music, yeah, and yeah. and we couldn't make smart music. We yeah. weren't good enough, and I just, and I remember like thinking we was tight because we was gigging all the time, but I remember playing a. Um, what was the one next to the forum? Was it Bull and Gate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pla- played yeah. at the Bull and Gate, and and the 
backstage there was a band called oh god what were they called um, and they, they ended up signing to Sony and we were sitting out the back drinking cans of skull and they were practicing their harmonies and I remember thinking <laughs> well, that's a bit lame like yeah. and you meant to be like getting drunk and, and, and having fun and then they just went out on stage and fucking hell, I'd never seen a band like it. Their singles were called Halo and their single was called Halo, Sanctimonious yeah. and I think they were signed to Sony. Um, they're from Bristol and I remember just watching them and thinking, I'm never going to be that good. Oh, they're really good, yeah. Like, that, that's a band that deserve a record deal, that deserve to yeah. do something. So I was like, I think I'm dumb. And like, yeah. I don't... I don't think I want to do bands anymore. I've done everything I've, I've wanted to do on the scale that I wanted to do it at. Yeah. Let's let's become a nightclub promoter properly. Yeah. See how that works. So, uh, so how was that a transition going into going? Because again, you'd done it successfully earlier on, kind of thing. You'd, yeah. You know, and you'd, you'd been DJing. Had you been DJing at the at the brush? Yeah. Yeah. I was still the tours we were doing. I was literally driving back every Friday night to, to earn my money. Yeah. Like, you know, because I've never made any money out of the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was course. like I had to come home and, and DJ out the toothbrush to earn, earn some pennies. And and then I, I just decided that I was going to really sort of push the promoting side of things and, and, you know, develop the, you know, what I was doing at the toothbrush and increase my roles and stuff there yeah. and, and started to really, really get a taste for it and, and try and push it. And then I thought, right, I'm going to, try and sort of venture into I mean at, at this point I think it's it's important to sort of note that I met my wife and yeah. and and then you know children started appearing yeah and yeah. so I was like okay so I've got responsibilities now so I've got to kind of make sure yeah I, I bring big, in the bacon it's a big change, isn't it? Yeah. yeah and uh I can't just jump in a van and piss off yeah um and so I, I set up a night it's, it's hilarious though that it's right I've got an Knuckle down and take it seriously. I'm going to be a club promoter because again, it's hilarious. that that was the serious option of yeah. you because the band stuff was the dream, was the yeah. pie in the sky, yeah. and the knuckle down was I'm going to DJ at clubs again. Yeah. That's mental that that was the one, but that's, yeah. that's how it worked out. And 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 it, and it was it, it, you know it's it's still fun, um, yeah. but I um I dis- I decided I was going to attempt to I I decided to, to contact XFM. And and I'd been set up in a little business um, by Big Papa Jay, previous yeah. uh, drunk cast guest that never come out because that never of came just out how in this drunk room. That cast in this was. Very room, yeah. um, him and his wife Antonia. Um, I, I was working on building sites as well, and uh, and they they gave me x amount of money to say right, set up your promoting thing and we'll help Amazing. you. And it was the nicest thing anyone's ever That's done. That's awesome. That's- and uh, and and I was just lucky within. Seven months, it all just fell right, and I'd paid them back, and and I'd got in with XFM, and uh, and at that point they'd been bought by Capital, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, sorry, oh, they'd been bought by I can't remember who it was, but it was in the Capital Building, yeah. Um, global, global, yeah. And uh, and so I, I met a really nice guy there called Jim Banner, and yeah. and he, um, yeah, he really is. And and I said, look, I'd like to set up Club XFM, and. Uh, at the toothbrush, yeah, and so he he come out and and we and we set it up and it was it was really good and <clears throat> one of them nights, my a, a guy I knew called Jay uh, knew the Maccabees, yeah, uh, who were just sort of breaking through at that point, 
and and he also knew their mate that was the bloke from Gavin and Stacey. Right, yeah, yeah. Not the fat one. And <laughs> uh and and I said, Oh, do you reckon you could see if he wants to come and DJ at the toothbrush? Because apparently the, Matt Horn was a big indie fan. Yeah. And he was like, I'll have a word. And he did, he come down. And Amazing. and Gavin and Stacey was like the biggest thing on the telly at that point. And you know, Matt was colourful and, and and he's a handsome lad and, yeah. and so it was it was a busy night, you know, lots of people come out to, to see Gavlar and the girls all liked him and so it was you know, and he had he had great taste in music and so I sort of got chatting to him in a very similar way that I had a chat with you. Yeah. And said like I'm thinking of doing another Club XFM in London. Do you want to do it with me? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. So we, we set it up at 333 in, in East London, in Shoreditch. And it was, I'd never promoted in London. Yeah. And uh, and I think the first night, Matt DJed with, I think it might have been British Sea Power. And then well, week two, the Maccabees were about to release their second album. And they'd done a secret show for us. Three, three, three. We weren't allowed to announce it, but word got out um, that afternoon, and I, could, I couldn't see the gig. I couldn't get into my own venue amazing. to watch it, and it was it was just brilliant. And it's a good start, right? It was it was amazing. It was it was so much fun, and 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 I, and I started sort of me and Matt got on really well, and so it was like okay, well, look, I'm not. I wasn't. We was doing this on a Wednesday night, and so as you know, as a club promoter yourself, that's not easy. It's a tough night, you know. Um, and so I said, look, we need to find somewhere on a Saturday yeah. and, 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 you know, and maybe grow this. So we just heard there's a venue called the Queen of Hoxton opening. And, and so we went up there. My friend introduced um, me to the guys there um, that own the mothership, that own the venue that me and you do our night at yeah. still. Yeah. And, and we set up our own night called Session, um, me and Matt. And, and that run for six, seven years. You come down and perform yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, there and and yeah, had some had some absolutely amazing times. And and at that point, maybe two years into that, I, you know, you'd performed with me, and I got chatting to you and said, "Look, because we didn't really know each other, right? None, and not hugely. Um, I'd had again. I've, I'm sure I've told this before, but I'd gone through a similar thing that you'd gone through with the brush, but on the other side of it, I decided I just, I just want a DJ there, and I'd sent a tape in. And I said a tape, and again, it's not DJ, and I'd literally yeah. just put some songs. I'd made a, I'd made a mixtape essentially, and then I got a, a phone call off you saying, "Come down and we'll have a look." And I came down and um, I got hammered because I was nervous, and I came up to you. I think it was in the toilets, and no, 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 I came up to you in, in in the booth and was like, "Oh, I sent you that tape," and you were like, "Oh, it's you," because you, me and Tom, our mates, weren't. There was a period. Well, we weren't particularly welcome at the brush because not so much. It was just Tom. It was just Tom and his yeah, and his pretty face annoyed me. Tom and his pretty face <laughs> who stole the, a girl from someone in your band or yeah. something like that. And um, <laughs> it was always I was the dad of the band, right? I got to look after exactly. my boys. It was always the Landon lot, and I was like, I'm not even from Landon, and I'd get turned away for being one Landon lot. So he went, oh, it's you. I'll talk to you later." And I just got hammered, and I. I think I threw up on your feet in the toilet or very near to you. And that was the last I heard of it. But yeah, that's punk kind rock. of, yeah, exactly. Punk rock. <laughs> and that's about all, all we knew of each other. And then you hit us up. Well, I know, to come I and knew play Dan Chinneries. really well, right? Yeah, you knew Dan well, yeah. And he's also on your, on Off the Beaten Track, right? Dan, Dan Lissac has, um, I can't as, wait to hear that we one. called it a, a 
really, really good episode. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to what people make of this. I can't wait to hear that one because yeah. he's, yeah, he's lived a life. He has. He's lived a life, that boy. But, but yeah, so you booked us because, again, we as we discussed on my episode of Off the Beat and Track, I played all around the country before playing local yeah. because I wasn't a fan of the idea of yeah. that. And also because there's not a lot of local venues for the kind of music that we were doing. Absolutely. It's, it was a really tough one. I'll often have, even when we'd started to get big, I'd have people say, oh, when you play anywhere in Stamford? It's like, because they would bottle us. Yeah. Even though we're successful, it's, it's not our crowd. Yeah. And Chinnery's was the one place it had, again, I, I still think... We put that show on, didn't we? Yeah, oh. exactly. I still think that we had to build a name before we would have gone down well there, because mm-hmm. it, it was a punk rock venue, isn't it? Yeah. And we... Didn't have any instruments, but we'd built our name and we'd sold out a few of the bigger venues in London. Yeah. And on one of the tours, yeah, yeah, we came. You put us on at the Chinneries with I Shattered Gun supporting. That's right. And producers are with computers on that tour, yeah, right? Because that's the band who you were looking after. Managing, yeah. Um, and yeah, and then yeah, that's kind of how we'd met, and that's kind right. of it all all worked out from there. And then you hit me up about potentially doing a club night. And I was mm-hmm. like, all right, let's give that a try. Because the Queen of Foxton had, had opened up the sister venue around the corner called the Book Club. Yeah. And well, we're still there to this day, right? It's been s- s- seven years, mm. or coming on for eight years, I think, at the moment, which is mad, isn't it? Yeah. That- and it's, I guess, yeah, that, that's, that's really, well, you know, I, I can't thank you enough. Yeah. Because... Um, don't take it just yet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 100% agree. <laughs> try. You can try. It's worth a go. But because, you know, I, I'd never have, well, I'd, I'd never done half the stuff that we've done. Yeah. And the drunk cast never happened. Hardcore listening wouldn't have happened. This wouldn't have happened. Yeah. And yeah, you know, thank you very much. It all kind of went amusingly um, and, 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 sw- and swimmingly. And the drunk cast happened because of the club night. Because yeah. y- you, me, Chris and my brother. Yeah would generally be in the car on the way home or out the front at the beginning and just pissing ourselves laughing because we're all yeah. talking nonsense. And it, Ian was originally meant to be part of the drunk cast crew. Yeah. But he kind of isn't into podcasts. He thinks yeah. they're stupid. Um, <laughs> when he's right, he's, it's been proven. Um, but yeah, originally he was going to be part of that and it, it never happened. But it was all because of that because we'd just uh, we'd talk about MMA and we'd talk about music and everything else and just and be horrible to each other and be horrible to each other and just yeah. just just pull each other speaking of being horrible to each other there's three more things on my list that okay. i want to ask you about or talk to you about sure. it's kind of four actually because ian added one two of them are horrible and two of them are serious and right and nice okay so let's start with the the two horrible ones yeah of course number one was the one that ian just said he said to ask you if you've still got the recording of the rem gig that you and your mates went to um, because apparently you went to an REM gig and got kicked out or something and got back in and then they put the mic down f- for someone to sing and you sung No, and there was a bootleg or something. That's that's a hybrid of that two hybrid stories. Of two stories. All right, let's go. Like the, the one where we got kicked out and come back in was a Sultan's of Pinging at the venue yeah. in New Cross where we went up there because Serious Problem were a joke band. Yeah. Sultan's of Ping were a, a novelty style band yeah. who had a hit with like, Where's yeah. My Jumper. Yeah. But they got really famous. Yeah. So obviously we was jealous. So we decided we was going to go to their show in the venue in uh, New Cross. Uh, we gave out flyers outside saying, um, we are serious problem. We are funny. Uh, and on the flip side of the, the flyer was uh, the Sultans of Ping and the Frank and Waters are not. And, Mate, uh, 
of punk rock, isn't it? And like, it's just it's, it's mean. Or when you put on Mark B and Blade at the Pink Toothbrush, yeah. I came down in a t-shirt that said. F- f- fuck Mark B and Blade because <laughs> I wasn't into him but all my mates were going I literally yeah. had to go up, up Lakeside and get that printed punk rock right punk rock <laughs> it's just rude it's just rude it's just mean and yeah and so we, we got grabbed because uh, we, we, we told the melody maker that we was going to storm the stage yeah when they played Where's My Jumper so they all got there and then when we had this banner with yeah. our name on it and we all all the band were there, and I was like, right, on the count of three, we're going to ransack the stage. And by the time we got to three, it was only me and the other singer that actually went through with it. Brilliant. And we got bundled off by security. Of course. And then at the back, we went, no, no, it's just student humour. We actually like them. And then when we come back in, um, a former guest of Hardcore Listening, Dennis Thompson, um, had a fire extinguisher and was just hosing down the band. <laughs> that was quite punk rock. Yeah, that's um, quite punk rock. And yeah, but the, 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 the REM story was just... Um, I was uh, RM have long been one of my favourite bands, yeah. and uh, I, I was at one of the uh, a Brixton Academy show ahead of I think it's like a Glastonbury warm up thing, and I, and I, that it was one of them nights when you can either get not that drunk or too drunk at a gig. Yeah, I got it just right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was having the best time ever, and I'd gone down the front, and and I was too old to even be down there, but I was like, it's an old man band now. It's yeah. cool. I can do it. And they always finish with the end as well as we know it. Yeah. And he'd come to the front of the stage and he was singing it. And then he passed the mic out to me. Yeah. Now, one of the boxes I never ticked in a band was playing Bristol like, Academy. He was like, is that Roy Tarmo for a serious problem? It's <laughs> like a bloated Robbie Williams. <laughs> um, and, I, and so I just grabbed the mic and I just thought, right, well, look, I never played here because we was never ever going to yeah. play Brixton. Yeah. We, no one knew who we were. So I'm going to take this and I'm going to run with it because yeah. my backing bands, Peter Buck, Bill Berry and Mike yeah, Mills. I do. Stipe can harmonise if you can find another mic, but yeah. I've got it. <laughs> and then literally the following week, this guy called John turned up at the toothbrush and he just gave me a CD and it was the bootleg of yeah. that gig. Because that was a real common thing at, the, at that point. If you'd gone to a gig in London, you'd go Camden the week after yeah, and yeah. there'll be a video or a CD yeah. bootleg. And, I had a few, and, a few gigs I'd gone to where... I've got bootlegs on yeah. vinyl. Yeah, you know, and uh, I loved it, and and yeah, and and so I do still have the CD, and I will dig it out, yeah, and and I'll play it on an off the beaten track, maybe. And um, apparently, you didn't sound as good as you might have. As I said, thought. I sound like Mike Reed forward slash Danny <laughs> Dyer singing. It's the end of the rules, we know, it and I feel fine. But Brilliant. it was, it was. What more could you want from seeing yeah. your favourite band? You've done, you've done Brixton essentially, yeah, exactly. I mean, I've done Brixton a couple of times, but... I've, I've, um, you said there was another one. Yeah, the other one that was horrible <laughs> was I just want to talk about shit haircuts. Oh. Because you've had some really shit haircuts. Are we over the hour yet? <laughs> We're just about at <laughs> the hour. This um, could be a two-part. Because you've had some shit haircuts, haven't you? Oh. And it, it made me think of it because you posted a picture recently from your wedding. Oh, that's a bad one. No, I didn't. Oh, I didn't. Did Chris post it? No, my, my wife put it on... On. Um, I mean, fair enough, because Carol looks beautiful. Yeah, she looks great. But you look like... Fucking dreadful. Uh, it's tragic. Yeah. Tesco's own brand, Superhands. Yes. You, it's really... It's not... Someone wrote that um, on underneath when yeah. my wife put it up. And and I should put out, <laughs> it wasn't a romantic gesture from Carol. Yeah. It was... Let's see how many people take the piss out of Stu's yeah. haircut. Um, and that was your hair for your wedding, the biggest yeah. day of your life. And yeah. It was kind of short at the front and long at the sides, right? It was, it the, was, it it was, was the opposite. Oh, no, I guess it's kind of a, a modern mullet. Yeah, it was a modern mullet kind yeah. of thing. Uh, do you know what? That is one of my regrets. Futuristic mullet. <laughs> it was really bad. Uh, there was some blonde in it. Um, yeah. It's a big day tomorrow. 
yeah, what do you want? A hairdresser. <laughs> Futuristic mallet. <laughs> Get the highlights out. <laughs> and when I look at all of my, my mates who got married around that time, yeah. they've all generally got some kind of like dark red waistcoat on yeah. and just a black suit. Yeah. And they look, and it's not dated. Passable. It's fine. Futuristic mullet with blonde in it, white suit. White suit. Mate, it's a hell of a snap. And you obviously <laughs> had your kind of, your just bleach blonde for a long time with dark roots. The Amy Borman. Yep, the it. Amy Borman as it's yeah. known. Um, I believe at the time it was it was the sick boy that who, who influenced both of you. There was although, lots of people who dyed I their think, hair blonde. I think the big influence is Amy Borman's dad because she's got the exact same hair as her dad. And Amy does um, the social media for Speech of Element. Yeah. Um, and she, it's her daughter at the end of this podcast saying, the Thatcher Paces podcast and all that. Um, but yeah, she's got her, her mum and her dad have all got the exact same white, essentially a French crop. <laughs> yep, I had that. Oh, I've had some bad ones. Obviously, I had, I had signature long hair, early 90s, everyone yep. had to do that. Yep. Uh, dreadlocks. I was going to say, uh, have you had dreadlocks? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a shame, isn't it? Uh, I, I, they, were, they were probably about, I reckon maybe six inches. They weren't Oof. like big, long ones. So they were Counting Crows dreadlocks then? No. Because uh, he had short ones to start with, didn't I, he? I had the Arrested Development years. Arrested Development years, big, yeah. <laughs> Mate, that's a bad yeah. look. Yeah, I've had some, some, some shockers, like... Yeah, you can, you can, most of my mates have had pretty much, I mean, I've got mates that have still got the same makeup they got in their school photo. Yeah. And I like to think uh, of myself more sort of Bowie-esque. I've evolved. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've never looked cool with any of mine. <laughs> Bowie looks cool in all of his. You've had a, you've, you've, you've always had bad hair, but at least it's been a, on, on, on trend. It's been yes. at the, the, the right era. This is the yeah. worst haircut of every era. <laughs> You've progressed. Um, no, it was Chris that put it on Instagram, by the way. Yeah. He was so excited about that. Yeah, understandable. Mm. It looked terrible. So, two more s- serious ones okay. t- to end on. What I love about the drunk cast, and then that's translated into hardcore listed, now the two of you have got the balls to do them without getting hammered, Sure, um, is that it will be nonsense, it'll be all over the place, but then when serious things come up, it's fine to talk about them and, yeah. you, and you go into it. And one thing that came up that, that I didn't know was that you'd had an eating disorder or, or had that that for a long time. Yeah. And that was weird for me because you were saying it was when you were kind of teens, t- t- 20s or whatever, right? Through, through the, um, definitely through maybe the first band and a half. I and think. That's, that's what I was going to say. It's weird because as a kid younger there looking up to the guys in the band, the yeah. cool guys, you wouldn't think anything like that. So, no. so what... What was that, and what? How did you get out of it? How did it control you? Um, I've never really spoke about it at length to yeah. to, to anyone. A, a guy on a because it came up on one of the podcasts, and you it, went it into was, it. And it I was, was like, a, oh, you've, I've never heard you mention it. Was that the Mood Swings podcast? Yeah, and 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 he no, it wasn't. It was um, was it the Mood Swings podcast? I don't think it was. Or was it the one with Jess? I'm not sure. I think it, it might have been with Jess. It yeah. was with Jess because yeah, because yeah, you were talking about how it can be a more. It's often f- females yeah, or women who have it source, and you kind of brought up and said, "Not only you know, I've been b- yeah. b- been through this, yeah, for years and years and years, and uh, yeah, I've never done any research into it. So if there's people out there with you know with eating disorders and there's a rule yeah. book as to what you can say and what you can't, I don't know anything. What what it's what? Absolutely f- you fine. Know, Again, and, that was the beauty. 
Oh, when I had Jordan Gray on the podcast. Uh, as I it was, was when I had Jordan Gray yeah, on I was asking off the beaten track. Her, I was asking her questions as if she's a representative for all trans women. Yeah. She's like, I can only speak for me. Yeah. Like, we don't have a meeting and, and discuss all the acceptable yeah. things. But, but, yeah, so how was how, how did it, I guess, how did it come about? Or when did you realise? I think I've, um, aside from shit haircuts, um, <laughs> you know, I've always kind of been body conscious. I've never had a six-pack, you know. Yeah. And, uh, but no one had a six pack when I was growing up. Do you know what I mean? But you know, and I was, it was always Peter Andre that calls that, wasn't it? Mysterious girl. Yeah. And when that came out, everyone was Fuck like, "Whoa, guy. yeah, hello, yeah." yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, but do you know what? Like, I, I can't even. It, it's really weird. You'd, you'd think for something that that was, I guess, a a daily occurrence, a few times a day mm. for years and years and years, it should have. You know, I should have thought about it more and had like a start point and like and thought, why, yeah, yeah and that. But I, I really never think about it, and that's yeah. not me trying not to talk about it. Yeah. I will talk about yeah. it like no, to, to the best fine. of my knowledge. And it just—I remember literally just eating something one day and just thinking, I shouldn't have eaten that. I better. Go, I'm going to go make myself sick. Yeah, and I went and made myself sick. Yeah, and um. I get is that is that bulimia when you do that? Yeah, 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 and, and it was and, and so. Um, and again, it, it's it's really dangerous because you're you're bringing up yeah. stomach acids yeah. and stuff to places that aren't equipped your to handle them to well. your teeth. Yeah, yeah all of, everywhere. And 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 that's the, in all honesty, that's my knowledge of it is that yeah. it it hurts your teeth. And uh, yeah. my, you know, thankfully, my teeth aren't too bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just remember thinking, well, I'm I'm, I'm going to go and be sick, and uh, and then I think. It was just one of them things where every time, I guess because I was at that point the front man of a band or I was the DJ at the yeah, club. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know, you just, I guess everybody wants to be liked and everybody wants to be found attractive. It wants to, to, uh, to look good. That's a perfectly human yeah, thing. And again, yeah. I think it's something that we dodge, we shy away from a lot at the moment. That, that, or we blame it all on social media. Yeah. And I think that adds to it. There I was think it's always that. been there, there, there. I think there was, it's always been a thing, though. It is a all... thing. But, you know, and, and I guess it is more in your face, you know, in this day and age. Yeah, and it's, of you know, it's well documented that people are, you know. And it's good that there's, there's things like plus-size models and stuff, you know. Yeah. It's, it's great. But there was none of that when I was yeah. when I was doing all this. There was no, I, I guess there was magazine, you know, the NME covers. But yeah. I, I don't know. It was just something that, it felt like a quick fix yeah. um, because I was quite a fat kid, yeah. and like, and it was when I kind of got to college, I lost loads of weight, and I think again that goes back to the, the reason why I probably wasn't particularly successful with girls because I had no confidence, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, I lost lots of weight and become a DJ, and and it started to kind of become quite easy for me then to talk to girls, yeah, and and and, and so- those things happening at the same time are going to keep you on that track, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. again, the fact is you probably started talking to girls because you were DJ more because you're in a band, not yeah. because you were throwing up and keeping yourself a bit trim. Yeah. But and, because they happen together, it's yeah, going to keep and, you and, on and, that and, track. And it just, like, become a, it just become a routine. Yeah. That, you know, I, I, I never used to drink a lot because I was always the one driving to the clubs. My yeah. mates would come to my clubs and get drunk, and but I would always be working. So yeah, of course. I wouldn't drink a lot, but, you know, I would, you know, before I went out, you know, if, if I had dinner, yeah. I would... 
you know, and I was living at home then, so I had to be quite sneaky about it as well. I would, it's I, would bad, isn't it? yeah. I would go, you know, to if my mum and dad were downstairs, I would always go upstairs to the bathroom and vice versa, yeah. and, and and literally make myself sick to the point where I got really good at. It sounds fucking lame, but at being able to to wash and dry my eyes and bring down the redness quickly. Right, wow. Because obviously the more you retch, yeah. the more blood vessels you yeah. burst around the yeah, underneath yeah, of your yeah. eyes and stuff like that. And and I got really good at kind of taming that and controlling that. It's and, mad that that's just a thing that feels natural yeah, at the time as yeah. well. And, and do you know what? Uh, no, given I, I don't think at any point throughout the years of doing that did I ever think, oh, this ain't right. Yeah. It just was kind of like, all oh, right, she's had that gun out in a minute, right? Go and fucking throw up, like otherwise you're gonna feel really bloated and like, and you know, yeah. And so I'd just do it and wouldn't think anything of it. And it's stuff that you don't question and don't and don't talk about that just yeah. becomes complete, yeah, second nature, right? And, and why not, would you question that? That's yeah. just what you do, yeah. And and, and in fairness, the, 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 the probably the the reason I, I didn't do it anymore was I met my wife, yeah, and and. I don't think she even knows that that was probably one of the main reasons why they never stopped. I've never really spoke to her yeah. um, at length about that because yeah. I try and I don't I don't put it out of my mind or anything yeah. like that at all. It's like it just never comes up in conversation. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, the yeah. fact that someone. It was when Jess was saying about women with eating disorders. I was like, oh, there's men as well, yeah. and and I just thought, well, I'll justify that by saying that I have one, yeah, yeah, and and I never saw it as an eating disorder at the time, and. And I still struggle with my weight to these days. You know, I'll, I will put on weight and then I will lose loads of weight. And yeah. But I will do that now through training. Through and, exercise, And yeah. through exercise predominantly. And that's the thing, I think. That, and I should say, there was no there was no actual point where I thought, right, I'm never going to do this anymore. Yeah. It just fizzled out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it's fascinating though as well, because it is, it's, it's, it's weird that we're becoming more hyper-aware of eating disorder. Because at yeah. that point, people... Weren't talking about eating yeah. disorders, so you wouldn't have yeah. known. So it I've wouldn't have been until years you know, later you're like, "Oh, I had, sure. I did that for years." You know, I've got two teenage daughters, so I'm hyper aware. Yeah, and you know, and and I, you know, the touch with that will never happen to you know to to them. Um, but I kind of, I, I know the habits and yeah. the, and the yeah. things now because I, you know, if I ever see that, then I know what it is because yeah. I've done it. Um, I mean, or that leads us on to the other. Thing I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about family, and you've you and Carol have fostered kids as well. Mm-hmm. So you've got two kids, and you've and you've fostered kids. How's that been? As as kind of, it's a weird one. The industries that, and again, it's worth talking about now as well. You do hardcore listing every week, yeah. and the Patreon ones. Mm-hmm. You're doing off the beaten track mm-hmm. as a series, but there'll be one a week. You've also got a full time job. And you do the pink toothbrush, yep. and you do Red a wheel lizards, yep, yep. and redshift, yep. and you've got you know a wife and kids. How do you find all that in balancing it? Because I think it's it sounds like a lot, but part of it as well, it's well. There's a point where you get used to doing a lot of things when the thing you choose is your passion. Agreed. So if the thing you've you chosen is music, right? yeah, it's like well, I'm not immediately going to make tons of money as a club promoter. But particularly if you've got a family to support, it's like, that means I need to be doing that and I need to be doing that and I need to be doing that. Yeah. So when, even if one levels out and is paying your bills, you're used to it. You're, you're yeah. used to finding the, the balance. So. And, and as much as my dad told me to get a trade, he also said, leave all your doors open. Yeah. Not actually leave all your front doors <laughs> yeah. open, especially not yeah. around here. He robs but, you a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was like, you know, and, and I was literally talking to him Friday morning and, and, and he said, you know, well, you know, it's good that 
you've still got a toothbrush, you've got a job, and and you know, it just but you know, I think at, I'm 45 now, you know, you do re- start to sort of assess things, and I've probably missed out on a lot of things I shouldn't have missed out on in regards mm-hmm. to my kids growing up because, yeah, for a couple of years managing like Buckley's DJing yeah. career, I was away four or five nights a week, yeah, you know, because that was a big thing. I remember when all that was happening, and we yeah. were discussing if if lizards was yeah. going to continue because you were like, I need to reassess i need to make sure i'm there for my family yeah. i need to make sure i'm there for my kids yeah because yeah, it is it's that weird tough thing of if you're doing club nights you're asleep half the daytime yeah. or you're not completely aware yeah. of it even if you are awake yeah. so it's a it's yeah it's, it's um you're working at the point you wouldn't be spending with your family anyway because they're all asleep yeah so it's that kind of it's not yeah. like the work is taking you away from but it is ruining it and then the time you are with them you're generally tired and yeah. and Something and grumpy and whatever else. Yeah, and and but I just think you don't get too long on this planet. Yeah, and like, and I think you've got maybe twenty-one to forty-ish to really hit it. Yeah, and try <laughs> yeah. and establish what you yeah. want to do, and yeah. and 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 I I think I've done that, and and, yeah. and I think you know I've, I've managed to keep the kids clothed. And yeah. uh, and you know my kids, they're nice kids, yeah, and like and, and in an industry that I work in, I work in a nightclub industry. Yeah, um, I think I'm the only one that I know in that industry that is married. Yeah, yeah, um, and not divorced. Yeah, yeah, uh, and 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 that's just because as much as I like doing all the kind of you know, DJing and, and promoting and, and the, the kind of, I guess people would see them as being fun, yeah. like kind of jobs. Like I do, you know, we'll go and travel and do this and fuck it, let's have a go at that. You know, let's let's just have a go at it. Let's see what yeah. we can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do really need structure. And and yeah. I know, and I don't mean it as, as in a sexist way at all, like behind every, you know, great man there is a great woman, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I couldn't do none of this yeah. if it wasn't for... For Carol, because yeah, yeah. she, you know, I mean, she's a hardworking person in her own right. You know, yeah, she's uh, she's got her own career and 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 but has sacrificed it for our children. And, yeah. and as now now the kids are older, as he's you know, is is just about to become an accountant. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I couldn't have done none, none of it without yeah. her going. You can do that. Give it a go. Yeah. Like, if you're unhappy doing that, don't do it. Just try that thing you want to do. And and I you know, I don't think like any marriage, you've had ups and downs, it happens. Like but you know, we're still together and yeah. we're still, you know, we've got happy kids and completely. And again, I love all the kind of it's it's beautiful to see the kids and everyone at the age where you're going out and doing your wild swimming and stuff yeah. like that as something that you're passionate about yeah. that they're now excited about and they come boxing with me every sunday because there was a point as well where i think you'd admit that you'd be going boxing when you maybe should be at home or you'd be going Absolutely. wild swimming when you maybe should be going Absolutely. away with the family and you kind of made that change and go well these are good things that i want to do with them yeah it's, it shouldn't be be an escape yeah. from them. It should be something that yeah. you share with them, and that's that's great to see. On yeah, yeah the boxing's a great example as well. Yeah. They come down there and have a. Like, it's great. It's it's great. Um, uh, uh, it's really weird. Like we're sitting here now, and they're 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 actually away camping without me, um, <laughs> purely because I had tickets to see the Cure yesterday. Yeah. Um, 
and and he had been booked for ages, and then this this thing turned up, and they were like, "Look, go to the cure yeah. with all your old mates and just yeah, have yeah, a yeah. have a good time." And uh, and I woke up this morning, and I didn't go boxing today because the girls weren't there. Yeah, and I've had the house to myself all day today, and I watched a bit of UFC, yeah. and then. I fucking hate it. Like, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not good on my own. Yeah, yeah. I'm really not. You know, you're pretty comfortable yeah, with being yeah. on your own, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm just not one of them people. I, yeah. I like to talk to people, and I like to kind of. I'm not very good on my own. I'm not that interesting. Yeah. So I run out of interesting <laughs> yeah. things to think yeah. about really quickly. Yeah. And uh, and and as we say, you know, I'm not a particularly talented person. So anything <laughs> that I enjoy doing, I rely on other people <laughs> heavily <laughs> to help me do it. So I can't really do a lot of it on my own. However, yeah, that's what has been the best thing about off the beaten track. Yeah, yeah. And this is not a shameless plug. No, no, no. It's but true. I, I stayed up um, on Wednesday night, maybe to massage my ego a little bit, but. It went in the iTunes chart, right? Yeah, and yeah. and as did Hardcore Listing, you know, it went in the top ten and and I was watching the new one and I was like, it's gone to number two. And then I sort of messaged you and said, like, he said, Oh, it might spike again, like yeah. when the episode like comes out. Yeah. So I thought, Oh, I'll see. And uh, so I was just watching reruns of This Is England. And uh and then just I think about 10 past 12, just refreshed it. And it was like, it's got a number one. And I was like, Carol was a bed. Yeah. Obviously the kids were in bed at school the next morning. And I just, it weren't like I was doing it with Chris where I would have just phoned Chris and got him out of bed yeah, and yeah. gone, fucking hell. Like, I had no one to tell. Yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. like, shit. And, and I, <laughs> I sort of looked online and my brother who lives in Australia was, was up and I was like, mate, check out this. And, yeah, I, I've got to admit, I, I, I was, yeah, beyond happy that day. Yeah, and I and it felt like it's wicked. Yeah, I mean, ticked a box. I talk about it on, or I talked about it on the podcast that came out with Joe Cole on Wednesday. So this is out on the Friday, and on the Wednesdays, it is amazing to see these things because you look at the chart, and number two was Joe Budden, mm-hmm. who's got over a million f- 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 followers on Twitter. Yeah. Number three was George Ezra, who's got about six, seven hundred thousand yeah. on Twitter, but you know, a big following. I mean, just all this coming. Yeah. Ed Elton Sheeran, John. Elton John, yeah. you know, big. Mine are just people from around the corner. And you're beating them. And again, it's beautiful. It's, it, it, it really, I talk about it in, in the intro and say it's great how the, the distraction pieces crowd do kind of yeah. just support and get yeah. b- behind these things. And yeah, I know when we were discussing you doing off the beaten track and you're doing it as a series and doing it on the network and you were kind of saying, look, I understand if you don't want to put it on the network because you were saying that you just want to do it as a, it's just a little thing. Yeah. It's not, it's not as structured and as big or it's not as, it's not hardcore listing. It's not, no. here's our top fives. Here's this, here's yeah. that. It's st- st- structured still. I mean, we should mention it's all based around. Is it seven songs? Seven songs. Yeah. Like, and um, and it's going through your kind of life and the their specific life, things yeah. for specific times. And, and it's, it's, so, yeah, I know there wasn't that expectation for it to go crazy. And then it just seems to have come st- straight out and yeah. and smashed it. And, again, the thing that excites me is you're doing it as a series and you're doing – the first one's all Essex. That's and that's right. what I like about it is – 
obviously you could compare it to something like the the, the Desert Island Discs yeah, or course. whatever else. But what I liked about doing it and what I'm excited about hearing is you focus more on people's experiences in their local clubs, yeah. going and seeing local bands, or going yeah. to see stuff and all that kind of thing. So it's it's so specific. So and doing it in each area, it's amazing because you've got a range of people of different ages of different kind of genres of music and things like that. That was key. That was key for me. So it's not just everyone going on about the Pink Toothbrush. No, which, yeah. that was the main thing. I just thought, yeah. look, I, I, this can't come across like a promo for me yeah. nightclub. I yeah. just thought, it can't. And so, obviously, I knew we'd get that out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, we went to the same places yeah. And, yeah. And, and it was obvious that it was going to, you know, the first one was going to be you because... You're the easiest one to talk yeah, to because yeah, I know yeah. you the best. Yeah, we've done it, and, yeah. uh, and we've spent lots of time sitting in front of microphones with each other, and yeah, and uh, and it's just yeah, it's, it's just been really, really good fun. And uh, so, what else have you got? You've got a right. Russell from Block Party. So Russell, Russell's doing next week, and Dan Lasak and DJ Destruction are the two that I'm looking forward to most because yeah. Destruction in particular, just and mate, who we've kind of forced to do the club night yeah whereas he'd stop djing yeah and then we got him back to do lizards and now he djs at f- festivals all around the world yeah. all the time he's away most yeah. our, our weekends djing his story was great because you know we as much as he would occasionally pop to the toothbrush you know i, I wanted I, i've got a, um, a percussionist called snowboy yeah and uh snowboy was um he's i think he's had like 16 albums out he's, he's you know one of the most successful sort of Latin jazz yeah. uh, percussionists in, 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 you know, if not in the world. And he's, he's such a nice guy. Um, I mean, to give you a, a quick insight, because I, I'm thinking that a lot of the listeners are going to know Block Party, going to know Pip, going to know Dan. Yeah. They're probably not going to know Snowball. And I know that sometimes yeah. when you flick through, you, 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 you scroll you, on, you just think, Oh, I don't know him. So I'm going to go for yeah. the ones, you know, but the thing with Snowboy is, um, I mean, Snowboy's been in Lisa Stansfield's band for about 30 years. He was, um, when we was chatting to Doc Brown on Hardcore Listing, yeah. um, Doc was in Mark Ronson's band, yeah, as yeah. was Snowboy. Snowboy yeah. um, Snowboy's literally played percussion for the biggest bands in the world yeah. for the last 30 years. Um, he talks about growing up, experiencing the early days of punk, but on the more on the sort of fashion side of the scenes to side ahead of 77 yeah. and then it moving into like this soul scene and the new romantic scene all the time he's talking about another Essex boy and his best mate that was the bass player in Talk Talk uh, and it's it's a it's a cracking chat yeah, and uh, yeah re- really excited for that and the Ro- Rossi's one was great because yeah. we went to school together so yeah, yeah, yeah. you know when he talks about the songs that soundtracked his time at school yeah of course it was, because that's we all had little bits of Lionel and was trying to break dance to the Beastie yeah. Boys, you know? Yeah. Oh, spoiler alert there. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, and we've, we've, um, Jordan come around last week. Yeah. Um, you know, Jordan's experience at club was far different to anything that any of us had done. Um, and, uh, you know, and it's the first time I've ever really discussed trans yeah. with, with Jordan. Yeah. You know, knowing Jordan as a as a man yeah. for years. Yeah. And, and so... You know, like you said, like, she's going to have a fascinating story because that journey will have been a really confused yeah. one or a, a mixed one because yeah. there'll be a period where, and she was always part of the music scene and part of these things, yeah. but clearly wasn't herself yeah. in those times. So yeah. it's going to be these weird, yeah. It, and and do you know what? Like, 
we went we went pretty deep. Yeah. But she has just got a really good way of keeping it fun. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know if that's the right way to describe it, but, you know, there's no tears on that. Yeah. You know? Well, she's like, hilarious as, as yeah. well. I, I went to the preview of her Edinburgh Fringe show, which I recommend everyone goes and catches because mm. it blew me away. And I was, I was, I'd not seen much of a comedy, so yeah. I love her, but I was ready to not enjoy it. That's fine. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's different kinds of comedy and all that. But it blew me away because she touches on the unavoidable subjects of her going from a willy to boobs yeah. as such. Um, but yeah, it's never preachy. It's never yeah. too right on or too too PC. It's and, just, she just has a laugh. And like you say, I, I went like, um, before we start recording, he's like, is there things I shouldn't say when I talk about yeah. it? Like, because... You're the only. She's the only transgender person I know. Yeah, yeah. And and I thought I don't want to say something that the trans community are going to want to lynch yeah, me for. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. You know. I don't think I'm a massive dick. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I, I'm, I generally am pretty liberal. And uh, but I, thought, I don't want to just say something. You know, really well. You know, I don't want to kind of go he instead of she. Yeah, and, or use the wrong term. Or uh, anything, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, and she just went. Do you know what? Just. Ask the questions if, that you don't know the answers to, yeah. and like, and then you're just Perfect. the same as everyone else yeah. that wants to know and doesn't know, you know. And I just thought, oh, yeah, that's all right, isn't it? Yeah. I'll just ask. It's, in, it's easy in that way. It's yeah. making it a safe place to be yeah. able to ask and to be comfortable saying, I don't really know what the deal yeah. is with this. So I've got a few so, more yeah. coming up. I'm, I'm recording this week um, with uh, uh, the, the guy called Chris, who's from Essex, and yeah. Chris. Um, Arranges the music and, and drums for Florence and Machine. Oh, wicked! Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm going to chat to Chris. Yeah. Um, and I've yeah, I've got some other ones booked in, but I don't want to. So, so was Chris in in the Sam I Am? Who was in? Because no. one of them went that into was, Florence. Uh, that was Ro- uh, Mark. Mark. Wasn't it? Mark yeah. Saunders. So, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, there's quite a few Essex boys yeah. in, in Florence. That sounds uh, good. And then is is your plan? Because obviously these things always ch- turn and change, but. Uh, once you've, you've finished Essex, it'll be a little break, and then you would looking at maybe doing Manchester or Possibly. Brighton or London. Yeah. I'm, I'm, or one as, of these. as they sort of present themselves, I'm going to record them. Yeah, I've got a few booked in. I'm not going to say who, but I've yeah. got a few more sort of lined up that yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to chatting to, and yeah, and just see where it goes. I'm not in any rush, yeah. you know. Like hardcore listening keeps me busy. Yeah, and uh, and it's it's a lot easier to chat to people when yeah. Chrissy's next to me, and I mean, let's let's end by focusing on how mental hardcore listing has gone because yeah. that's been amazing. Like we yeah. talked about it, we've not talked about it for a while, I guess, because that other drunk cast never made <laughs> yeah. saw the light of day. Yeah. Um, it's been mad. Yeah, it's just it's blown up. It's got you do you've done numerous live sh- uh, shows now, so yeah. you've got a legit live following. We got, you've got the got Patreon pro- that smashes it. We did get approached last week from the. Uh, London, uh, London Podcast Festival. Right, yeah, yeah. They've yeah. asked us to do a show. That's wicked. So, um, yeah. Hopefully, something might come of that. Um, the live show is always really good fun. Um, yeah, it, 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 the the Patreon's interesting. F- yeah, for me because you're putting out I, the thing when you were talking about potentially doing a Patreon. The one advice I had because again, I'm not I've not used Patreon loads. Yeah. The one bit of advice I had was you can't drop the output of anything that you're already doing. Because, yeah. again, you've built your audience on yeah. that. You can't build an audience and then turn around 
build an audience for free yeah. and then turn around and go, you, oh, you all have to pay now. But what you've done with that is brilliant because you put out a, an extra podcast every week for Patreon only. We, and we stress that. that you but know, you still get the, 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 the main, the, the guest the ones, guest are one. generally the free yeah. one, and then the, the bonus one, which is it's clever as well because I realised on The Fighter and the Kids that often I'm more interested to just hear Brendan and Brian talk sure. than the guest yeah. at times. So it's good because, you know, you've built up that, core audience who want to just hear, hear you two discuss top fives as well. Yeah. So you don't have to have this big guest in there. And to, to me and Chris in. were speaking about this the other day and just saying like, because like I say, we did go so hard at, at recording, 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 recording and get them all in the, you know, in the, in the hard drive that we done one the other day where we just sat in the bar, me and him. And I was like, we have not done this for ages. Yeah, yeah. Like we're normally sitting at the Hoxton Square Barn kitchen or, the Queen of Hoxton recording in their basement yeah. um, because so many of the... Because we're, we're lucky that all of a sudden we're finding it a lot easier to a, approach named guests now to go, big guests, would yeah. you like to come on? Yeah. Um, and they can go, oh, we don't really know too much about your podcast. And we'll be like, oh, well, our recent guests have been blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden they just think, oh, well, right, they, can't be, they can't be complete dickheads. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, this might be and worth... And it's a, a surprise. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> actually... <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, we, we've, we've got some great ones coming out. If this is coming out next week, I think that our guest will be uh, Billy Lunn, the singer in the subways. And, Wicked. And, and, and it was one of the most fun ones we've ever done um, because he chose top five scenes in Life of Brian and not only spoke about them but printed off the scripts Amazing. and reenacted them and done all the voices. And it's Amazing. hilarious. And he's so lovely and yeah. so fun and uh and i like the one the other week with his missus i believe rowena rowena yeah. who did her top five final, final destination deaths yeah um so not even film but the specific deaths and that was great yeah it's like i've i've watched most of them i think yeah. i recognize all of them, but it's just great to hear the yeah. kind of the, the talk through and that's what's good about hardcore listeners of podcasts is it's got that it's based on the top five so it's it's not just another because again, as much I listen constantly to Richard Herring's podcast and Adam Buxton's podcast, yeah. but me, a Richard and Adam do have a lot of, cr- of crossover. Yeah, and sometimes it'll be a lot of the same yeah. conversations or whatever. You don't get that with hardcore listening. Yeah. It's not a case of oh, I've heard them on another podcast yeah. before. I don't need to. It's like no, it's going to be completely yeah. different and the, stand on its own. Uh, well, just while we're talking podcasts, I've yeah. um, a, a music podcast. Yeah. I've um, we recently had Eddie Temple Morris yes. um, on ours, which went down really well, and he's obviously a, a mutual friend. Yeah, yep, uh, I love Eddie dearly. And I've been listening to Eddie's podcast with another one of your former guests, Nick, Nick Fox, Fox yep. um, Trailblazers, and it's been one of the, the best podcasts I've listened to in a long time. The, uh, their lineups are amazing. And again, yeah. the beauty of having Eddie and Nick as the host is they've both got as interesting a story yeah in the scenes that they're talking yeah. to these specialists about. It's, it's nice because you've got, as much as Eddie's been in that industry, you can't take that fan out of him. No, 100%. And, and, and you know, Nick sounds to me more from the industry side of things. Yeah. And, 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 but Eddie, you can tell, has still got that excitement yeah. and, and, like, and, he, and he's just animated, like really animated with it. And, and I've just loved listening to him. And 
it's one of the ones where guests that he had Mike Pickering on from the M people, right? Right. Yeah. I never liked M people. Right. Uh, didn't know that much about him. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say what he's done. Go and listen to that podcast. It blew me away, and I just thought, wow, that's impressive. And uh, but- when uh, when Eddie was on yours, I decided that we need to do a top five pizzas oh, but round here right. so get eddie round i've got my pizza oven yeah so we choose a pizza right. each and we make them and we do our top five and actually have them there yeah, to I'm taste to share because I, I ain't seen eddie in a while and we used to it's, it's hilarious because me and eddie again he's kind of dj out and about all yeah. this kind of thing and one of the times we posted a picture that we'd met up we cracked up because we thought up a People are going to assume that we're going on to a club or we're doing music. I'd gone round because I'd just made a new batch of chocolate and he makes chocolate and we wanted to compare our, our ingredients and our mixes. <laughs> and So I literally, we just had a little tasting, talk about what percentages we use and what ingredients and all that. So had a little chocolate catch-up. And we went and picked his boy up from school, which again, it was amazing stories on his episode of Hardcore Listing. was just... Yeah, it was be- beautiful about tone. And yeah. Anyway, let's wrap things up yep. rather than plan future podcasts. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so people can listen to Off The Beaten Track. It's on social media as well. It's got its own social media pages yeah, yeah. and everything. And it's just Off we, The we Beaten post Track. A, we post a few track? bits about it. Well, I have posted a few bits about it on the Hardcore List stuff last week just to give yeah. it a bit of a push for the launch. But you know, I'm not going to sort of saturate everybody that follows hardcore listing with with this one as well yeah. so it's got its own standalone ones variations of if you just search off the beat and track podcast yeah. on insta twitter and facebook i'm sure you'll find it um yeah you can subscribe on acast and, and itunes and, and shout outs to my name is ad on instagram and on twitter because he Absolutely. did your artwork he did the brick goldstein artwork i should mention that brick goldstein's podcast as this goes out, a will have launched yeah. this week with James Acaster, yeah. who's brilliant, um, and that's films to be b- buried with. Um, Ba did both the artworks for that, and they look cracking, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. He, he, like you know, you mentioned him, and, and I've been chatting to him, and, and yeah, you know, we've been crediting him on his artwork because it's absolutely brilliant. He's he's done, he's sent over the rest of the series. I've got them all. Oh wow, so he's, that's he's amazing. He's been super quick, and he's yeah. And 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 oh, also, I do want to put a big thanks out to um, seventy six, um, yep. our producer uh, who does all the high quality stuff, and and again, he's he's been great throughout all of this, and 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 Brad who does the little video skits and stuff for us, um, and John Harris um, yep. that, that sent over the first bits of video content as well yesterday, um, yep. which I think's uh, the Distraction Pieces Network throughout yesterday, and I'll yep. be putting out tomorrow. Yeah, we've been seeing um, about. But yeah, he's, yeah, and um, um, just thanks to you, mate. Like, no problem it, none at of, all. None of it wouldn't have happened unless. Uh, I yeah. said it's good to see it's all gone, and I'm I'm excited to see if Chris does his own one yep. as well. Because again, I love hardcore listening yeah. and all, all all that, but I, well, I, I like so. that that this has gone well. Yeah, and it kind of makes potentially go. All right, well, yeah. well maybe I want to do one. He might not. That's yeah. that. That's fine. Hardcore listening is a lot of work as it is because yeah. you're doing them a lot. So yeah. yeah. But, and he, he was he was the first one to phone me up yeah. and go, you know, you've got a number one. How good is that? So, uh, it? yeah. And, uh, and what, was that, what was the last thing I wanted to get in there? I don't know. No, mine's you, gone blank. You thanked everyone and people. Yeah, I That's think we're is. done then. All right, we're done. All right, mate. Well, I'll let you 
go back to bumbling about an empty house on your no, own. No, there'd like be a more time I get in. It's <laughs> the reason you wanted to come around and record it today. Was like, <laughs> that was it. Oh, can we do a podcast? I'm so lonely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, nice and I can't one, wait mate. to hear more of them. Cheers, buddy. There we go. That was Stuart a, a whiffing, and what a lovely, a lovely chat and catch up that was. I, I genuinely enjoyed um, doing that because I got to to le- learn a lot of stuff I didn't already know. Um, and yeah, it was ace. Um, next week we're back to one podcast. So calm yourselves. Um, next week I'm joined by Simon Pegg. So that's a bit of a upgrade from Stuart Whiffin. He's sandwiched between Joe Cole of Peaky Blinders, of Prayer Before Dawn of Black Mirror, and Simon Pegg of Spaced, the Cornetto tr- trilogy, Star Trek, bloody Star Wars, um, Ready Player One, and in in in, in the middle of them was Stuart Whiffin of Greys. Anyway, it was a good episode, and I will see you all next week. Um, I should mention that we've got our club night that we mentioned in this podcast. We're back um, July 28th is the next one with Colin Murray. So come along to that. Send names to info at thetrashsociety.com, and we'll put you on a little queue jump list to make sure you get in. Um, Yeah. All right. Have a good one. Ta-ta.